Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. We have another solo episode, and I'm really excited because you guys have been really liking the solo episodes. They're some of my most downloaded. You guys are always DMing and saying that you appreciated the content, and so that makes me happy because I love sharing little tips and tricks that I learned along the way, and it's really cool that you guys are loving to hear those as well. So today we are talking all about crisis survival skills. So crisis survival skills are the skills that you use when you are at like a 9 out of 10 for emotions, you are struggling to cope. So if you're having a really bad panic attack, if you are super, super depressed, if you're super angry, those moments is when you use crisis survival skills to really survive through the moment. So the first thing that we have to touch on is that you always have a choice whether you want to cope through a situation or just like sit with it or you can make it worse. So you always have the decision to use coping skills to decide to try and make the situation better, to try and get through it. And you have always have the decision whether you want to cultivate that willingness or if you want to stay in that willful headspace. So that's the first thing we have to mention. The next thing I want to cover is what makes a crisis and when to use these skills because crisis survival skills are amazing. They are what get you through difficult moments. They are what help you survive emotions that feel extremely painful and tough and overwhelming. But if we use them too much, they really lose their effectiveness. So a crisis, like I said, is when you're at like an eight or a nine or nine out of 10 for emotional distress. And there's a couple of things within the DBT and therapy world that can kind of quantify this. One is a SUD score. And so studs stand for um, subjective units of distress. So like it says in the name, it's very subjective. It'll be different for everyone. So what might be like a 10 for me might be like a 7 for you and vice versa. So there is this really great thing. It sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's very helpful to think about and do this activity. But it's a feelings thermometer. And so it's like from 0 to 10. And at 0, you are calm, you're cool, you're collected, you are doing great. And at 10, you are at your your lowest. You are struggling to use skills to cope. You're extremely overwhelmed. You are extremely distressed. And that, that looks different for everyone. And so what I did when I was doing DBT for one of the first times was I went through this thermometer and I kind of labeled what each of the numbers looked like for me and what it looked like as far as using coping skills. So like I said, 10 was couldn't use skills, couldn't cope, was really struggling, was so distressed that I couldn't even think about the possibility of what skills I would use and how to implement them. I was really struggling with that willingness and the ability to implement. And so at a nine, crisis survival skills were really helpful to implement. Most skills would be effective. At an eight, it was more things like deep breathing. When it's a six, it's more like self-soothing. So the, the lower I got with distress, the less intensive coping skills I needed. And then I also kind of quantified what it looked like 
presentation-wise. So a 10 would be like a really bad panic attack and, and not able to communicate that I needed help. Whereas a 9, maybe I was still struggling with a lot of anxiety having a panic attack, but I could at least ask for help or I could use some skills. And then a 7 was having anxiety, but not a full-blown panic attack. And a 5 was just kind of we were we were chilling. We we're not at our best, but I, there was no need to like cope actively with an emotion that came up. So like I said, this is really different for everyone. Maybe you struggle with really intense and distressing anger. So quantifying what the different levels of anger looks like and what skills work at different what different levels could be really helpful for you. And the reason we do these things is that when we get in that really emotional state, when we get in fight or flight mode, we are not able to logically think through things. It's just how our body reacts. It's our, our emotions function in a way that they optimize for the quick, no thinking emotional reaction to keep us alive, to save us. And so we can't logic through and be like, pros and cons here, like, what is the coping skill I should use when I'm having a panic attack and can't think straight? So if we do this beforehand when we're in those moments that are really distressing, we can just immediately know what to do instead of like really trying to unpack and figure out what the best course of action is. Okay, so there's a couple th more things to mention about when to use crisis survival skills and when they can be really helpful. So some ways to know that you're in a crisis situation. And again, this is kind of subjective. It's based on your level of emotional distress. So you know you're in a crisis situation when it's highly stressful. It's short term. This is not like long ongoing stress about a school project. There are ways to cope with that. But again, we talked about how crisis survival skills are for the short term so that they don't lose their effectiveness. And the last thing about being in a crisis is that it creates intense pressure to resolve the crisis right now. Again, like the school project thing, it's due in two weeks. There's not like that immediate, like you need to get rid of the stressor immediately because it's causing so much pain and distress. So we're using crisis survival skills when you have a really intense feeling of pain that cannot be helped quickly. You wanna act on your emotions, but that will only make things worse. Emotion mind threatens to overwhelm you, but you need to stay skillful and effective. And I really wanna add the caveat there of again, you feel like you you need to stay skillful. We always have that choice. You are feeling overwhelmed and yet there are certain demands or expectations that must be met. So say you're going through the school day and the expectation is to go to your class, but you're having a panic attack. So you're gonna cope through to hopefully try and be able to go to the class. And lastly, your, your emotional arousal is really extreme, but the problem can't be solved immediately. There's not a quick fix. So you need to kind of cope through the emotions and be able to sit with the discomfort of the situation. So like I said, there's a lot of reasons that we don't use crisis survival skills every single day for every single emotion that arises. And that's because they lose their effectiveness over the long term. We want to reserve these for when we're really struggling, so that we have a way to help ourselves in, that, in those painful moments. So we're not going to use crisis survival skills for everyday problems, um, solving all of the problems that life throws at us, and, and making your life worth living. So a lot of the crisis survival skills are activities that are good distractors or they're enjoyable. It's things like spending time with a friend, calling a loved one. Maybe it is drawing or doing your nails or doing a self-care net, like those kinds of things. And so 
to make your life worth living, you're not just constantly coping through things 24-7. You're, of course, building in activities that you enjoy, but the idea is to get and reserve these for when you really need them. So one of my favorite coping ahead things that you can put in place that really sets you up for success is called a safety plan. And this was something that I relied heavily on when I was doing DBT. It was something that was always a standard of care whenever I would start working with a new therapist or a certain amount of time went by we would set up a safety plan together in session. And so what a safety plan is, is it is a, basically it's an outline of what you're gonna do when you are feeling emotionally unsafe, overwhelmed, distressed, and that really high intensity that we just talked about. So I will post like, a, a template on my website for this episode as well as on Instagram, but I'm going to walk you through it. The first thing that you want to outline are the warning signs. So the situations, thoughts, feelings, body sensations, and behaviors that signal that a crisis might be developing. And so for me, when I filled this out, this was in 2017. This was a long time ago, you guys, but it's my real worksheet. I talked about the cognitive, physical, and and combined signals. So cognitively, my thoughts were racing. I was worried about like judgment from other people. I was hyper aware of what was going on around me. And I was starting to have like a little bit of the physical symptoms of a panic attack. So like my heart rate was increasing, my breathing was increasing. Um, physically, I was like starting to get a little shaky. I was having trouble breathing. And then combined, I was feeling really frozen by my emotions. I was too scared to really move and I was just feeling very consumed by my fears. So that was warning science. The next thing that you want to outline is the internal coping strategies that you can use. So things that you can do by yourself to take your mind off of what you're experiencing. So that could be distracting, could be a relaxation technique, it be, could be a physical activity. There's a lot of options here. And so I, again, kind of broke this down into what would work to cope with a cognitive warning sign versus physical versus combined. So for when I was really overwhelmed, like my thoughts were spiraling, I could use distraction, I could self-soothe, I could use the tip scale, which we'll dive into, or I could ride the wave of the emotion. Physically, I could use pretty much all of my my skills in my, co- in my toolbox regarding distress tolerance. So I could use deep breathing, I could do an ice bath, and again, riding the wave was something that was really helpful for me. And combined warning signs, that for me, I remember being like the the perfect storm. Like that's when things got really overwhelming and really difficult to cope with. So I wrote down for that is to catch before the crisis arises and to ask for help and, and call my therapist for skills coaching. The next step is to write down three people in social settings that provide distractions. This might be like super obvious. You're like, why would I need to write this down? But again, we're going above and beyond to make it easier for us to cope with situations that are super painful and overwhelming. So I wrote down three of my friends and I also mentioned like going outside and getting outside of the situation and you can literally even write down their phone numbers if for some reason you're like, what if I can't remember? What if I don't have my phone with me? So you're making this really easy for yourself when you're struggling. Um, And then step four is people that you can ask for help. So maybe this is a school counselor, a parent, a family friend, a friend, a therapist. And so you're writing down their names and a phone number if applicable. And step five is professionals or agencies that you can contact during a crisis. So for me, I wrote down my therapist, I wrote down my psychiatrist, and I wrote down a school teacher that I had a really great relationship with. And the key here is really, we've talked about this before, but if you're really struggling and you're going to a teen 
you might get that validation, you might get that support, but teens are not meant to deal with overwhelmingly complex mental health issues. They shouldn't be expected to deal with that. They're not equipped. And so having professional resources that you can lean on is huge. So I will, of course, put some links and resources in the show notes, but there are a ton of different like local um crisis lines based on your city. There are state ones. So the California Youth Crisis Line is 1-800-843-5200. There's the National Suicide Prevention Line, which is 1-800-273-TALK. The Crisis Text Line is 741741. There are a ton of websites where you can get support virtually. And so that can be huge to getting support when you're struggling, but it's not necessarily effective to go to a friend. And then step six is to make the environment safe. And that means emotionally and physically. So for me, I wrote down having a, a coat box, which we'll talk about next, um, surrounding myself with, with people and taking breaks and really giving myself the grace to like get through the moment and not feel the pressure to like just like sit it out and run the clock out. And then the last thing, this is more specific to DBT when you're struggling with suicidal ideation, but the the last thing to outline is the one thing that is most important to me and worth living for. And that is different for everyone. In 2017, I wrote down the future, which is super vague, but I think still still stands true. But what is that thing that keeps you going, that keeps you motivated, that reminds you that it's worth it to cultivate that willingness and to cope through an emotion? So write that down. Leave that as a reminder for yourself for when you're struggling. This week's episode is brought to you by Sakara. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They have an amazing meal plan service where they deliver vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, you name it, meals to your door. And not everyone realizes this, but you can order just lunch, just dinner, or even just breakfast if you want to. So maybe you're like, lunch and dinner, I'm set, but I really struggle to get a good breakfast in. You can order Saqqara just for breakfast. They will deliver your meal plan to your door the week that you order for. And they have the most amazing gourmet delicious recipes with the freshest ingredients. They're so creative and delicious. They also have a ton of wellness essentials. My two favorites that you have to try are the chlorophyll detox drops. I know you've seen them all over TikTok, but my favorite part is that you can add them to your water. You get all the benefits of chlorophyll, but it doesn't add a taste. I thought it was going to taste like green and weird and like greens powder, and it doesn't. It literally does not add a taste at all. My other favorite of theirs is their beauty chocolates. They have collagen and nootropics in them, so they are helping you get clearer, brighter, glowing skin while eating chocolate, and it doesn't get much better than that. So if you want to check out Sakara, you can use code EXOSADIE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Again, that is code EXOSADIE at checkout for 20% off your first order at Sakara.com or use the link in today's show notes. The next thing which I did just briefly touch on is a coat box. And so this is a box that you dedicate with all coping skills that you can use when you're in crisis mode. So we're going back to this idea of making things really easy for ourselves. We don't want to be struggling to think about like, what to cope with or or what what skills do I have access to? What would work when I'm feeling anxiety versus anger versus sadness, etc. And so a coat box makes it really easy to have all your skills accessible and there when you need them. You have your resources literally at your fingertips and it can be a great resource. And it's also a fun activity to do. And so 
another thing to add here is that you could have like a coat box at home, but maybe you have like a little pouch you keep in your backpack for school. And so an example of things that you put in your coat box or your coping box, I was thinking like books, if there's a book that you really love to read that really is a great distractor. One of my favorite things to put in mine was really kind notes. So if you have like birthday notes that you save or a really sweet thank you note that a friend wrote to you, those reminders that people care about you and love you is a great thing to include. Phone numbers, a list of people. Again, you can put your safety plan in your coat box, people you can contact when you're really distressed, of people that are good to talk to or distract you with, some snacks that you enjoy. So maybe there's you like like a certain type of type of candy. And then reminders of activities, distractors, and coping skills. So some ideas that I had was putting like a bag of microwave popcorn in your coat box, which is a reminder of like watch a movie or a TV show and do a night to distract yourself. Maybe doing your nails is very calming and distracting. It is for me. So maybe you put nail polish in there or face mask or you love listening to music when you're really distressed. So put headphones in there. And then another thing which I think is super helpful is there are these amazing lists of 100 coping skills. It's super random things like going on a walk or asking for help or it's seriously, there's like anything and everything you could ever think of. It's 100 coping skills at your fingertips, quite literally. So like squeezing ice or doing a puzzle, cooking dinner with your family, counting to 100, playing a sport, unplugging from electronics like there's literally so many different things that you might not have immediately thought of so printing that out and keeping it in your coat box is a great resource to use when you're struggling and so like I like I said you can also make this like a travel option for your backpack if you struggle with panic attacks at school. Put together a little bag of what works for you. So the tip skill which we'll talk about maybe you have one of those first aid packs where you like pop it and then it gets cold. That was one thing that I like to carry with me and was super helpful. Again, I think headphones are a great small option, like a little like lollipop or a piece of candy. I think the notes are a great idea, your list of people to contact, or, or even the list of what you're going to do to cope through things are all super like travel friendly and effective. So the next thing that I want to touch on is similar to the safety plan, but it's a less, it's less of a safety plan and it's more of a general coping ahead plan. So for this, what you do is you write out on paper, you can type it up also, but you're getting super specific on common scenarios, emotions, urges, and thoughts that are triggering. So maybe when you have a test coming up in school, you have a panic attack in the bathroom with certain thought patterns going on. Write that down and then you're going to go through and write exactly how you're going to cope through that situation. If you have a certain certain thought spiral about like body image, for, exa for example, what exactly are you going to do to ride the wave of that distress and cope through it? Same thing for anger, sadness, and you don't have to write down every single possible scenario, but kind of talking about the big ones that create a lot of difficulty for you and really present with a barrier of coping can be really helpful. So here we're going to do a little DBT education about some skills that are universally helpful to high intensity distressing emotions. Also, pretty much all of these skills are from the distress tolerance module. We are tolerating distress. And so one of the first like core skills, it's like the building blocks of the distress tolerance module is the stop scale. So it's kind of self-explanatory, but it can be difficult to remember to do in these really distressing situations, which is a common thread. So it's an acronym. You're going to stop, take a step back, observe, and proceed mindfully. So when you're stopping, you are not immediately reacting to emotions, you are physically freezing, and you, you're you aware of the fact that emotions sometimes make us act without thinking. So you are staying in control, and you are 
physically, mentally stopping in this crisis. You are then going to take a step back from the situation. You're going to take a break. You're going to let it go. You're going to take a deep breath. And you're going to really push away that urge to act impulsively based on what your emotions are telling you. For observing, you're going to notice what is going on both internally and externally. So that's like thoughts, emotions, urges, and then externally behaviors, interactions, situations. So what is the situation? What are your thoughts and feelings? What are other people saying or doing? And lastly, the most important part of the stop skill is proceeding mindfully. So you're acting with awareness and deciding what to do. You're considering your thoughts and feelings, the situation, and other people's thoughts and feelings. And so you're going to think about your goal for the situation. Are you going to prioritize self-respect, interpersonal effectiveness, coping effectively? What is it that you want out of this? And you're going to ask your wise mind, will certain actions, certain solutions make this situation better or worse? So that's the stop skill. You can use it for any highly intense emotion. And you can use this for anxiety. You can use this for extreme sadness. You could use this in an argument for anger, for guilt. Any emotions where you're at like a 7 to 10 or even like a 6 if you're like, I just think I could benefit from taking a break, use the stop skill. The next skill that can be somewhat difficult to implement when you're in this super high distress, but once you get down to a six or a seven can be super helpful is the pros and cons skill. So you're using this when you have to decide between two courses of action. And we talked about cultivating willingness to coping through a situation. And that in itself is like a mini pros and cons. You are evaluating whether it would benefit you to use coping skills or sit in a situation or make it worse. And a really common situation to use pros and cons in is when you have a really strong urge or you are like deciding whether to confront someone or you are thinking about coping with something in a certain way like maybe you're like I really think I could benefit from advocating for an extension on this assignment that's giving me a panic attack or you're like I think I should go to a counselor right now and get support rather than going right back to class do a little pros and cons and so what makes the DBT pros and cons a little bit unique is that it's like a four box approach so you are doing the pros of acting on crisis urges pros of resisting crisis urges cons of acting on crisis urges, and cons of resisting crisis urges. So write those out. Give a sentence, a couple bullet points for each. Really think about it. And so before an overwhelming crisis hits, you want to write out your pros and cons. You want to bring those thoughts and your conclusion with you and really remind yourself of them. Rehearse them over and over. Remind yourself what your wise mind is telling you, even if your emotion mind is like kind of trying to sway you. And when you really are struggling with with an urge to act in a certain way, it can be really helpful to imagine the positive consequences of resisting that urge. It can be helpful to think and picture the negative consequences of giving into those bad crisis behaviors. And lastly, remembering past consequences when you have acted on crisis urges. So if in the past you have avoided a situation that makes you really anxious, what were the consequences there? Maybe you were more anxious next time you encountered that situation. So think about that consequence and what could possibly happen in the future if you continue to engage in that avoidance. The next skill that really universally can be super helpful is asking for help. And this can come in certain forms. Again, we talked about professional resources and crisis lines, crisis text 
text lines, people you can call, talking to a therapist, asking for help from a counselor or your parents, from a friend. But this is huge. When you are feeling overwhelmed, even if you just want to ask for help in the form of a distraction or to have someone sit with you or just be around you, asking for help can be really helpful to feel less alone in navigating what you're going through. And then the next skill that I want to bring up is one of my all-time favorites. You guys have probably heard me talk about it a lot of times. I've actually seen a surprising amount of people talking about it on both TikTok and Instagram Reels, which makes me so happy, but it is the tip skill. And so tip skills change your body chemistry. They reduced extreme emotion presentations and emotion minds really quickly. And so it's an acronym that stands for temperature, intense exercise, pace breathing, impaired muscle relaxation. And this is really helpful for anxiety, it's helpful for anger, extreme sadness, just that really 7 to 10 range, really like 8 to 10 of levels of distress. TIP will really bring that down a couple of notches and allow you to cope in other ways. So the T, we are tipping the temperature of your face with cold water and this allows you to calm down really quickly. So what you're going to do, so what you're going to do is you are going to hold your breath and you are going to put your face in a bowl of cold water or you can hold the cold packs. We talked about the little ones that you get in a first aid kit. You could put ice in a little bag on your eyes and your cheeks. And so you're going to hold it for 30 seconds and you want the water to be above 50 degrees. We're not trying to give ourselves frostbite here, but you are trying to activate your mammalian diving reflex. So as humans, we obviously cannot breathe underwater. So our bodies have a system to regulate our breathing and our heart rate when we come into contact with water so that we don't have access to carbon dioxide in our systems and drown. So if you were diving into a cold lake, what your body would do to compensate for that is it would lower your heart rate, it would lower your breathing rate so that you stop excessively producing carbon dioxide and you can hold your breath for longer. So the same thing works when you dip your face into a bowl of ice water. Your heart rate, your breathing rate decreases, and along with that, the physical symptoms of distress that you're experiencing. This isn't one of those coping skills that is the most universally easily accessible. Like if you were in a class having a panic attack, you're not going to be like, oh, let me just pull out my bowl of ice water. Like I get it. But there are different like ways you can implement this. Maybe you use like a cold like paper towel under your eyes. Like that can help even if you're not getting the full benefits. But if you're at home per se and you have access to this, it's a game changer. I highly, highly, highly recommend. We used to do them all the time when I was at residential. It was like one of the go-to things. Like they had so many ice packs. They had so many bowls and washcloths. And so whenever someone was having a panic attack, they'd be like, all right, time for an ice dive. Let's get the bowl. And it's because it's so effective and it's it's it works. You can't be like, well, no, I'm going to mentally not have my mammalian diving reflex work. Like that's just not how that happens. So that's the first part of the tip scale. The next is intense exercise. And so what this does is it calms your body down when it's really revved up and aroused by emotion. So you're engaging in t intense exercise, even if it's just for a short period of time, and you are expending your body's stored up physical energy by running. You could be speed walking, jumping, um, lifting weights. I find that things that are like really like high intensity workout. So like squats, mind squats aren't a great example. Burpees, maybe you're doing a little bit of a kickboxing moment, running, doing sprints, um, anything that's super physically intense is great for this. And the idea here is that it not only expends that stored up energy that you're holding from distress, 
but your body can't maintain a physical arousal from exercise for like 12 hours straight. Like your body's not going to do that. So what your body's going to do is it's going to lower your heart rate after the workout. It's going to lower your breathing rate after the workout to try and go back to its homeostasis. And with that, it takes away some of that emotional distress that's presenting in physical ways. So the P to the tip skill is for pace breathing and paired muscle relaxation. So pace breathing, you are pacing your breathing by slowing it down. And so you're breathing deeply. You're slowing your pace of inhaling and exhaling way down from what it's at when you're experiencing an intense emotion. So like five or six breaths per minute. I like to do like an inhale of like three counts, pause, and then exhale for four. It's really great to have your um, exhale be more slow than you're breathing in. And so like five seconds in, seven seconds out, whatever works for your lungs, everyone's lungs are different, but kind of elongating the breath and having your exhale be longer than the inhale is key. And you can do this for as long as possible, as long as you need to. So maybe it's for like two minutes, maybe it's for five minutes, whatever you need. This is a great skill. And this is one that can be used at any point in time in almost any environment. And the same thing is true with paired muscle relaxation. So we're calming down by pairing your muscle relaxation with breathing out. So while doing your deep breathing, you are tensing your muscles, whether that's like your fists, your shoulders, your whole body on your inhale. And you're really being mindful of that tension in your body. And then as you're breathing out, you're relaxing, you're letting go of the tension and observing how there's the difference. So when we're having like anger or anxiety, we like clench our fists, we kind of tense up. And so intentionally further like tensing those muscles and then releasing them can really let go of a lot of that tension and can be really powerful and effective. So that's the tip skill. It's an amazing way to change your body chemistry. And one of my favorite things about the tip skill and DBT is that you can't be like, well, that's not going to work. Like maybe if one person listening to really intense rock and roll is what calms them down when they're having anxiety, that might not work for everyone. That's an example of something that's super subjective. But stimulating your mammalian diving reflex, doing the temperature part of the tip skill is going to work. It's going to decrease your heart rate. It's going to decrease your breathing rate. And and that's something I love about DBT is it's not like, well, I hope this works. Like, let's see. It's like, it will work. You will get through this situation. You will be able to cope and you will feel better. This week's episode is brought to you by Nut Pods. Nut Pods offers vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, kosher, and Whole30 creamers in the most delicious flavors. We are in peak midterm season right now. I am exhausted. I'm excited for spring break. What is keeping me together and awake in the morning is my iced coffee. I have it down to a science and I have to have a system that is not super complicated because I'm obviously in a dorm room. I don't have a kitchen. So I have my ice water. I My favorite ice trays are linked on my Amazon storefront. I add my Starbucks cold brew concentrates, which look like a K-cup, but it's just a little cold brew. You add it to ice water and turns into a glass of cold brew. Those are also linked to my Amazon storefront. And then I add my Nut Pods creamer. My two favorite flavors are the sweetened vanilla and sweet cream. I love a sweet and creamy coffee. And the amazing thing about the Nut Pods creamers is that they are sugar-free. So it tastes exactly like any generic vanilla creamer, but it doesn't have all the additive sugars, chemicals, you name it. And because they are vegan, they don't have dairy in them, it means that I can stock up and not worry about having to put 37 creamers in my fridge and of the mini fridge and run out of space immediately. So if you want to try Nut Pods creamers, you can use code SHEPERSISTEDPODCAST at checkout for 20% off your order. The link will be in today's show notes. So again, Nut Pods creamers, SHEPERSISTEDPODCAST at checkout. Out for 15% off your order. So the the last cope 
ahead plan skill that I want to give you that is universally helpful across situations is distraction and self-soothing. Distraction can be an amazing coping skill and technique because it allows you to kind of take a break from those painful emotions, those distressing thoughts and feelings. But the key is to not just be constantly distracting. When we're avoiding our emotions, they come back in bigger, more overwhelming forms, which is why these crisis survival skills are great for crisis, but not 24-7 life. And that's completely true for distraction skills. So there are some great acronyms. The first one is ACCEPTS, and so that stands for activities, contributing, comparisons, emotions, pushing away, thoughts, and sensations. So with activities, you could distract by focusing your attention on a task that you need to get done. Maybe you're someone that likes to cleaning really calms you, so you're going to like clean a room. Maybe you're going to go on a walk. Maybe you are playing a sport. Maybe you're going to watch a video, go out to a meal with a friend, call a friend, listen to music, play cards, do a puzzle, like you name it do an activity that is distracting and gets you out of your head and again takes you away from this painful emotion and situation contributing so doing volunteer work helping a friend or family member surprising someone with someone nice doing something thoughtful just sending someone a message and be like hi i'm thinking about you today and i miss you and i hope things are going well comparison so comparing your your current sensation your current emotions with when you felt differently at a different time so maybe you're putting things in perspective you're like you know what, like I'm doing a lot better of a job coping with this situation than I was six months ago. Or maybe it's like, remember how great I felt 10 minutes ago? Let's get back to that point. Another fun thing to do here is like watching a reality show, comparing your your emotions, your coping, all those things can be kind of a fun activity. And again, putting things in perspective and and kind of checking ourselves because we get so wrapped up in our, our own heads, our own experiences, what we're normalizing. Comparing can be really effective. And there's a caveat there, like comparison is the thief of joy. We know that constantly comparing is not effective, but when you're in crisis mode, comparing your emotions to a previous emotional state of yours or um, another person's can be effective to kind of, again, round yourself and bring yourself back to the, the situation. The next part of accepts is emotion. So you are watching emotional TV shows. So maybe like you're feeling really anxious. So you're going to invoke joy by watching like The Office because that makes you laugh and and makes you feel great. Some other ideas are like scary movies, watching a comedy. Maybe there's like really soothing music. So you're shifting your mood using like external stimuli would be the right word probably but like books stories letters tv music movies you name it next part of the accept skill is pushing away and this is again one where it's like helpful in the moment not a long-term solution so you are like mentally taking a break from struggling with this so like if you're having like really bad anxiety about how a situation is going to play out you're going to be like yep i'm done thinking about this for right now i'm going to put this in the corner and i'm going to revisit it later but for right now we're done. And so you are leaving the situation mentally. You are kind of ignoring that problem for the moment. And again, you're going to revisit it, but you are decreasing your distress surrounding the issue. The next part of the accept skill is thoughts. So this is using like internal mental coping skills. So maybe it's counting to 10, counting colors that you see around you, repeating words or a song in your mind, maybe doing a puzzle, watching a TV, watching TV, reading, really trying to like get your thoughts to think of something different. Another great like grounding skill here is doing like five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, 
two things you can smell, one thing you can taste, and like kind of finding those things around the room. Again, it's really breaking up the distressing thought patterns and, and shifting your thoughts. And the last part of the accept skill is sensation. So it's it's really invoking your senses, whether that's like holding ice and squeezing ice, which can be really great for urges, or taking a hot shower, taking a cold shower, whatever works for you. Maybe it is this is going out in the rain or the snow. That's not the most universally effective depending on your climate, but listening to super loud music and, and really, again, grounding and getting outside of your, your body, getting outside of your mind and breaking up the, that distress. So that's the accept skill. And similarly is the improve skill. So improve is for improving the moment. And so you are using imagery, meaning, prayer, relaxation, one thing in the moment, vacation, and encouragement. And these are less distractions, but more ways to, again, improve the moment, get through the moment, and and cope in that intense, difficult situation. So with imagery, if you're imagining relaxing scenes, you're imagining things are going well, um, maybe you're doing imagery of like the hurtful emotions kind of just like draining out of you. And another thing you could do is remember a happy time and imagine yourself in it again and really just sit with that. So it's kind of like a meditation exercise. Next is meaning. So you are finding purpose and meaning in a painful situation. This can be really difficult in the moment, but for some people it works. Focusing on whatever positive aspects of the painful situation you can find, especially in interpersonal conflicts when those are really painful for me. I really like to figure out like, okay, long-term, like how is this helping me? Maybe I am learning to cope more effectively. Maybe I'm being more validating and understanding in my relationships. This is pushing me to grow. This is pushing me to improve. There is purpose here and there there is some some benefit that's coming of this. The next part is prayer. So if you are someone that really finds a lot of like calm and peace from praying, this is a great place to use that. Relaxation really just doing relaxing activities. We did talk about that in the accept skill, but maybe it's like taking a bath, doing yoga, breathing deeply, that kind of stuff. Um, one thing in the moment, we are practicing some mindfulness. So you are completely in 100% doing only one thing. You are staying in the moment, you are being present, and you are focusing your entire attention on this situation. Again, you are getting out of your head the rumination of like thought spirals that go in 12 different directions. We're kind of like curbing that and we're like, nope, we're just going to be in this moment right now and cope through that. The next one is a brief vacation. So again, it's a little bit of distraction. So maybe you're like getting in bed and you're just going to ignore things for 30 minutes and you're going to go back and cope with things. Maybe you're turning off your phone for a while or you are doing a little like day trip with a friend and you're just going to go and distract from what's causing a lot of pain. Yeah, I think this is a great one to implement, especially with stress. Again, we don't want to use distress tolerance skills all the time, but if you are feeling super overwhelmed, you feel that distress, maybe it's with school, maybe it's with a work assignment being like, okay, 30 minutes, we're taking a break, we're doing a mini vacation, and then we'll revisit. And the last part of the accept skill is the last part of the improved skill is using self-encouragement and rethinking the situation. So you are giving yourself a pep talk. This is one of my favorite skills and something that I use all the time, especially with anxiety. So you're like, I'm, I got this. I can stand this. It's going to be okay. This is going to pass. This isn't going to last forever. And really just getting yourself through the situation. 
So that's the improved skill. Another thing that can be helpful in distracting is self-soothing. And I know that you have heard about self-care everywhere, but the idea with self-soothing is you're using your five senses. And this can be another great thing to like outline what works for you beforehand. But you are are breaking it down into like vision, hearing, smell, um, taste, and touch. So maybe vision, like you love watching a certain TV show, you like watching the sunset, maybe going on a walk and observing nature is really calming to you. For hearing, maybe it's listening to to a certain kind of music or a podcast or going out in nature and just listening to the quiet and the birds, that kind of thing. Smell, maybe it's fun things like your favorite perfume or you're going to bake cookies so you can smell those. Lighting your favorite candle, you name it, that's what you're going to do. And then taste is another really fun one. So maybe drinking your favorite tea, eating your favorite dessert, really soothing yourself through taste and touch. Maybe you are petting your dog or you are doing like a self-care night and putting on your favorite lotion. Doing the tip scales again kind of touch but like a cold compress on your head or laying in your bed if it's super comfortable or wrapping yourself in a blanket really just soothing the senses and decreasing that distress so those skills the stop skill pros and cons asking for help tip and distraction and self-soothing are universally really effective at decreasing distress they a lot of the time will work especially if you know what works for you and they can be great tips to be aware of and implement across the board Really quickly, we're going to get a little bit more micro on anxiety, anger, sadness, and urges and like what skills in my experience has been really helpful for each of those because it's different. Like things aren't universally going to work. If you are really feeling super sad, drawing on yourself with markers is not going to help. But if you're having a really strong self-harm urge, that might work. So things are different for different emotions and it's helpful to know what works for you. But for me, when I'm experiencing anxiety, the distraction piece is huge. I really do love the pep talk part of the improved skill. That's something that really helps me get through the moment. I love the tip skill. I think taking a brief vacation and kind of stopping and taking a step back from the environment and then going back can be really helpful. I'm a huge proponent of like drinking cold water and using self-soothing to really try and, and decrease those physical sensations of distress, especially with anxiety. Another huge thing there is riding the wave. Remembering that no emotion is constant, no emotion will last forever. And so they, the anxiety will pass as well and being observant of like how at some moments your anxiety increases and then it decreases and then it increases and it decreases and really just leaning into that and sitting with that. Anger. Anger for me, I think, is still one that's difficult to cope with. I'm like, this just sucks. Like, I'm like, oh, I hate this. And I think it's because I've done a lot of coping with anxiety and sadness and urges throughout my life. Whereas anger and and like guilt and shame, sometimes when those pop up, it's like, well, this is foreign. I don't know exactly how to navigate this. But I think a couple that work for me is the stop skill again. Huge. Getting out of the situation, especially if it's a, an interaction, can be huge. And I think in the long term is super helpful. Physical movement. I really love like a little boxing moment or doing sprints or doing a workout. Even if it's just like walking around, that can be so helpful to like kind of let go of some of that distress. I really love listening to loud music when I'm angry, um, putting in my headphones and just completely distracting. I think that screaming and crying in a healthy way when you're feeling anger can be really great. I was watching, what was that movie? It had, what was her name? I was watching a movie recently. I can't remember it, but it's the the one about the school shooting. It's on HBO Max. You saw it all over TikTok. It has the girl from Dance Moms. 
I'm totally blanking. But there's this scene where they go out um, in nature and they just like scream and like, this sucks. Like life is hard. This is so annoying. What is going on? And so for anger, that can be really helpful. <laughs> just be what the heck? Maybe maybe some less choice words, but that can be really helpful and letting those emotions out and then coping through and moving past things. I think ranting to a friend is huge. I like to joke that like I'm a big complainer and, and not in the way that I'm always like everything sucks, but I, I like to express those emotions. So if I'm really annoyed, I'm going to go to a friend and be like, what? Like, I, this is so annoying. I don't understand. And then moving on and coping with the situation. And then another thing that I think is really helpful, I remember doing this a lot when I was a kid, is writing an angry letter. Like, especially when I'm angry with my parents, I like write these letters. Or I used to write these letters and I'd think, this is so annoying. How could they do this? Blah, 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 blah. And just getting it out is an act that's very therapeutic. And you you feel less of a need to say your piece, to get that out and to make the other person understand you because you have kind of found that self-understanding. Sadness, I think, is a really hard, hard emotion to navigate. And I think even myself, when I think of sadness, I don't immediately think like, wow, that is a super distressing emotion. Like, it's just like, a, a bad feeling but it's important to remember that sadness can bring a lot of distress that you need to cope through and so for sadness opposite action is huge sadness wants us to withdraw and be alone and cry and isolate and ruminate so instead kind of getting out of your body and and your thoughts and going and hang, hanging out with a friend or watching a funny movie or, or getting some movement in and really doing the opposite of what the emotion is telling you is huge and even at the beginning of that implementing the stop skill so you're taking a step back and you're being like this isn't effective. What can I do? And kind of, I think, again, pros and cons is really helpful here and being like, okay, what are the pros of sitting with the sadness? What are the cons? How do I want to move forward? And the last one I want to touch on is urges. I think a lot of these skills, we think about them in terms of emotions, but urges can be a really powerful and distressing experience to navigate that these skills can work for worked for and a lot of these skills when I was struggling I was using for urges with self-harm and suicidal ideation and they were they were effective skills to use riding the wave I think is huge especially when it comes to urges kind of noticing when you have a stronger urge when it goes away and and leaning into that ebb and flow and knowing that nothing is constant and so the urge will also pass skills that are super helpful for for self-harm and suicidal ideation is squeezing ice I've heard throwing ice at a wall never tried it but squeezing ice is huge drawing on yourself with markers, writing notes down, kind of expressing what you're feeling, getting that outside of you instead of just suppressing it can be really huge and really helpful and effective. So I know that's a lot. It's a lot of different information about crisis skills, how to cope with them when you can use skills and a whole lot of different coping skills. But we are setting ourselves up for success. We're trying to do the work beforehand. So when we are in crisis situations, we don't have to figure out how to cope because we already know what works for us. So that is the crisis skills survival episode. I really hope this was helpful. If you have favorite coping skills that you like or that are useful for you, please send me a DM. Let me know. I love learning new coping skills and passing them along because what works for me might not work for you, might not work for another person. And so the more ideas you can be aware of, the more likely it is you will find what works for you. So to recap that long whirlwind, we talked about crisis survival. We talked about what qualifies a situation as a crisis and knowing when you should be using your crisis survival skills. We talked a lot about how to set yourself up for success when it comes to coping. So knowing your limits, having a plan in place, educating yourself and cultivating willingness to cope through a situation. And lastly, how to cope with very specific high intensity emotions and situations. 
So if you like this episode, as always, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, share with a friend or family member. And if you share on Instagram, make sure to tag me at at She Persisted Podcast and I will share and give you a little shout out. So yeah, that is this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed and I will see you next Monday.